I am tired, but given the purpose of the player strikes these last two days, it feels like it would be a betrayal of the, mov of the movement to just say nothing. So you may recognize a bit of what I'm saying here if you follow me on Twitter. I'm as disappointed as anyone else that the NHL didn't strike immediately in solidarity with the Wildcatters in the NBA and elsewhere, but I also don't believe doing so when they did is bad or fake or too late to be meaningful. Uh, the purpose of the strike is to say I will not be your distraction from anti-black violence tonight. It's never too late to take this action. And chiding people for joining a protest too late is bad form that alienates folks from joining even, even later. I mean, distrust them for their tardiness? Sure. Is the NHL a bunch of followers in the world of anti-racism? I think that would be a charitable reading of the situation. But yes, leadership test failed, and anyone who wonders why they do it when they did, but not do it immediately, you've got a valid point. Not to take away from that at all. If we're out here gatekeeping folks, joining a protest movement because they weren't there for minute zero, though, come on. We've got to be more practical than that. So, as Vlad said on Twitter that night, Black Lives Matter more than hockey, and I'm glad this overwhelmingly white bunch of guys is saying so, and refusing to be the place where people can look away from systemic racism, even if only for a minute. Anyway, I'm Steph, and this is Burgundy Radio for the middle of the Colorado Avalanche's playoff series against the Dallas Stars. Game 4 will take place tomorrow as we record, just so you know where we are in the space-time continuum. Who is we, you may be asking. Earl, can you tell us who you are? I am Earl. And what about you, Jackie? Hello, hello. And Vlad, who are you? I am the voice belonging to Vlad. So, um, this would be the place to jump in if you have jumping in to do. Well, the only thing I want to say is um, I don't think the NHL always just needs to do what the NBA is doing. It, they kind of do still get stuck in that little brother syndrome. And I think they're a separate league, a separate sport. They can make their own decisions. So I don't think that's necessarily tied to, did they take too long to do something? Like you said, that taking an action, it shouldn't be judged on a scorecard. How fast did you do it? So you can still believe that they took too long or they didn't. I thought that the way that they all talked and came together was organic and made their statement more powerful. But I was disappointed that the bulk of the questions directed towards the players was in reference to the NBA. And I think they can stand on their own and stand on their own platform. And I think that would be a lot more meaningful. So... I don't want to get into it any further. I think um, I'm proud of the players. I, I think it was a big stand for them. But I think a lot of the problems is that kind of moral scorecard. And really the heart of this issue isn't about having a scorecard. It's about making a difference. So I hope people keep that in mind. Thank you. Yeah, I think, I think the NHL players are not the types kind of jump in feet first uh, with something like this. It, the way that it happened was very typical of the way things work in the NHL and, and the way the players basically are personality-wise and kind of calculating 
want to make an informed decision rather than acting on emotion or impulse as far as these kind of things. Um, you know, it, I, I don't want to say it's bad or good. I, I think the ultimate result from what we saw um, with the press conferences um, in both bubbles uh, was a positive thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what that leads to. I think that's ultimately what is really going to reflect on these guys. I think for me, the gesture to move with the cancellation, even if it wasn't at movement zero, it was definitely a start. And everybody has to have their own starting, whatever they, they feel is best. So looking at it the way that the optics played out, especially as we move into the cancellation and the post-game comment uh, or, and question. Uh, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I believe uh, somebody had asked Cale uh, uh, McCarr during post game about the about the cancel about the actions with the MLB and the NBA and the word distraction. So the word distraction is at the very least a very poor choice to define what's happening here because dis distraction seems. A, from from my read, insulting to call what's happening distraction, especially for sport for entertainment. That that's insulting. So, if it takes a little bit of time for the players to organically come together and make us, you know, take their own stand in their own way, that's. And I think that was definitely a powerful image because images also carry a lot of weight in words. And to see all of the teams in the Western bubble stand behind uh, players of color, that is a very powerful image. But there has to be more. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point that, that images do tend to stand the test of time. And, and that image is something that's going to be remembered for a long time. I, one other thing about how everyone criticized how could they not know what's going on? I mean, these players are in a, in a routine, they're in a bubble. Like, are they on their phones after their pregame nap and on their way to the rink? I don't know. But I think it's conceivable to believe that they didn't understand what all was going on. And it took time to really dig into what was happening. So uh, before we move on, uh, Vlad, there's still some funkiness with with your connection. You're a little bit in and out. I've I've boosted your volume even more, um, but you're you're a little bit in and out. So I don't know if you've got like a noise gate that's turned up too high in your Discord or something. Um, uh, I think I'm I think I'm okay. I probably just need to move closer to a window. I mean, the house. I like yeah. If, if you're on Wi-Fi, then maybe, or not Wi-Fi. If you're if you're on like 4G, then maybe that. Yeah, that's what's going on here okay so um jackie predicted that the series against the stars would be frustrating but i don't think even you saw this coming though uh, <laughs> the abs trail after three games two to one just as a quick recap game one was about a week ago and i don't remember it well except to remember that the abs played like hot garbage and still kept this in close the whole way uh, Philip Grubauer lets in three goals on seven shots and then takes a non-contact injury. That's never good. So the Avs goaltending is now Pablo Franzos and Pablo Franzos. 
Eric Johnson also left this game with an injury, and he showed up on Thursday to the players' press conference on crutches. Not great. Game 2, also a loss. Colorado blow a 2-0 lead as Dallas gets just about as lucky as anybody has ever gotten. Boy, was I mad about this game for a long time. And Game 3 deserves its own segment. We'll get there. But let's start with the losses because not everybody necessarily agrees with me that Game 2 was a, just a pitiful response to some horrific luck. Um, but we can start with Game 1 or Game 2 or, or whichever. Like, or both or, or whatever. I'd say go in order because they all had their own little drama, their own personality. So Game um, 1, uh, Nathan yeah. McKinnon showed up. Did anybody else? Not consistently. Um, I, I I think the first thing that's that really um, struck me was the fact that the the Avs looked completely unprepared to be facing uh, the attack that Dallas brought, and I don't know if that was sort of a a game plan that that Jared Bednar really didn't have time to implement because of the quick turnaround or. Uh, the guys were just sleepy or they're just coming off of two Brazils in a row and figure they could beat anyone just half-assing it or what. Um, but they they really didn't look prepared to, to play early in that game. And, and it, it really kind of screwed the whole night up because I think they, they gradually did get better as the game in certain parts. I feel like Dallas has reverted back a bit from their, as I've said multiple times, how they change their style. They're trying to be this very defensive team, win a two to nothing game, something like that. And it was like in the middle of the Calgary series, they really decided that they can't win like that. And so I think part of that was the carryover into starting the series with the abs. And it can't be preparation. I mean, the abs had a, I think even more than 24 hours than Dallas did. Dallas only had one day off to even begin to prepare for the abs. And, and Bednar could have probably been in the stands for that last Dallas game as well. So he knew that the Dallas had, had gone back to more of their identity in realizing that they don't exactly have the the defensive strength is not to play that style. Their defensive strength is what they're doing now is moving the puck, getting them involved in the play, opening it up. And I think in a broad sense, they were unprepared. They're unprepared. They always seem surprised when a team really forechecks hard and pressures them, which is sort of odd because that's the obvious way to try to stifle their attack. I mean, identifying what the stars are doing is one thing, and trying to come up with a counter is another. Um, and that's that's where I saw them falling short, is it just didn't seem like they had a counter to that. Um, you know, I, I agree that, you know, Bednar did have time to come up with a game plan as long as he knew what he wanted to do. And I, I'm just not sure he, he knew what he wanted to do. And I, I don't think he actually did until maybe sometime during game three i i have some hope that going into game four in the rest of the series that he now has a handle on what needs to happen but it just it just didn't look like uh there was a cohesive plan being i don't know at least being executed 
there. Maybe you know, maybe he was telling them stuff that that would have worked, and they weren't actually. You just can't be sure. I and I think some of it is having those two Brazils. I mean, it was great fun at the time, but that's that's not really the best thing for them. Yeah, I, I kind of think the same. Like it, it felt like from the way that the as players responded that they didn't give their opponent a, a, enough respect. Frankly, they they acted like a team that expected to come in and just by default trash, you know, whatever happened in front of them, just trash them. And that that didn't exactly play out. It turns out there's another NHL team in this tournament, and uh, at least one. And Colorado was not not ready for that. And it took, I, I think, as Earl's mentioned, that they kind of came on as the game went along, and that would kind of support that idea that they had to get their minds straight. As like, no, you're gonna have to go out and actually fight and equal here. Yeah. Yeah. It. Um, it sucked chasing the game, but at least they kept at it. It wasn't just a five to one where you you checked out halfway through the second period. They were trying to to claw back, but from what I remember, this was the game where they got the two power play goals early, and then they couldn't score on subsequent power plays, which was also another problem in game two. No, they only, this wrong. is the game with no power plays. They only had one. Um, okay. Yeah. So that like was they, definitely they, game two story then, but right. And I, I think that's another thing because the power play, you know, that that was actually something that I liked from round one against Arizona. They they did turn to some new things, um, but in this game they didn't have that to fall back on because there basically wasn't a penalty called for the last thirty five minutes. And I'll take that. I would yeah. take that in every game moving forward. Is um, so yeah, that's more of a story well, game too. So I'm I jumped ahead. Great at five v five, so I don't know. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we we saw what happens if you get the penalty parade going both ways. The only problem is that yeah. they then got shut out five on five in game two as well. But we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, here, I jumped ahead. My th- bad. My my thing of it is, and I think there's a valid point to have the back to back Brazils kind of lower the threshold of preparedness. But we did see the Avs face this Dallas team in the round robin, and they got completely waxed by the Avs in the game. So you take that into consideration. Oh, we already blew through these guys 4-0, and then we have the two Brazils, and these guys are just rolling in thinking it's going to be the same result going into game one, and the rug gets pulled out from under them, and Bender himself, and this is probably as much of a damning statement towards him and his staff as it is to the players, our brains were not turned on. Yeah. Um, and it just, I, I do think, you know, that that game in the round robin played into it because regardless of their style change versus Calgary, you know, it's still the same group of guys. And uh, if you're the Avalanche staff, you're thinking, you know, the, these are ways that we can use our strengths against their strength or whatever. Um, and it just that was not on the table uh, right off the bat. So it's just, that that's what reeks of bad preparation to me. Whether it's the coaching staff or the players or or everybody, um, you know. And then of course you have some injuries in the middle of the game, and that just created more chaos. And um, you know, yeah. it's just a rough night. When you find yourself having to recover from giving up 
as many early goals as they did. And yeah, and, and that's at least in part because your your goaltender wasn't physically able to make a save. Apparently, right? Like, I I almost wonder how much of the result of that game, how much of them having to chase that game, came from Grubauer having something in his lower body that's just about to fall apart. Right, because you know I I think the first goal was it, it, that wasn't bad, but it you're the, gonna the have to remind us what all the goals were. Yeah. <laughs> um, or just describe. The, yeah, try to remember. I don't remember the. I, I remember writing that, that the first goal wasn't that bad, but the third goal was the Como one where Eiji got injured, and that was bad. Um, so. I think that, the first goal. No, the first goal was that EJ. It was either he gave it away or it was a bad pass, but. Right. That was oh. the EJ cough up, and then they were like right in front. So, I mean, yeah, are you. You'd love a save that, there, that, but is that Groovy's fault? No. It's one of those where you're looking at that one and you're looking <laughs> at the third one and you're going, we've, we've got to have one of these. Yeah. yeah. Um, the second goal, that, if that's I remember been the right, story with... was the second goal the one that went off of Ryan Graves' stick and then off the ice and then off the post and in? Right. Yeah, so shut the fuck up. Like no one that. cares about that goal. They just go away. <laughs> Get out of my face. Uh, um, but, you know, it's like the, the EJ getting injured and Como scoring, that was just you know, um, that was really, I, I think that's what really kind of killed their momentum because they had, they, they were on a huge shot run at that point. I think it was like a 12, nothing shot run. I mean, they were totally possessing the puck and everything. And then you know, Dallas gets the puck and goes back in the av zone. And that happened because oh. it, it, it looked like they were finally taking control of the game. You know, then it was three, one. You're like, Oh, well. It's, I mean, it's, it's something that I I feel like I probably say too often, but every mistake cannot go in the back of your net. Yeah. And it, I mean, we've said this a million times about Grubauer. It's like, oh, you know, it's like this goal was tough in this way and this goal was tough in that way. But it's like as a set, you got to make a save on one or, or more of those. Yeah, that that's the Grubauer story is there's, right. there's always a defensible reason. But why? Why does it always? need to happen yeah and certainly the injury to him and, and I mean, varley you know to his credit like we said the same thing about varley a lot too i remember varley a bit differently but it's been a minute so we said that about varley when they both sucked ass for a month two months however long it was yeah and it's you know that that's what sort of leads me to think there's there's some things systemically that happen um, that that when you have goaltenders letting in a lot of goals and that each one is defensible, but as a whole you really need a couple more saves. That you know it's 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 a team thing, as well as as perhaps bad goaltending. It's probably people are probably thinking: Is it fair to wonder that he was able? How much? Was he just completely great and then just snapped and broke? Or was it something that he knew was getting worn, getting sore, whatever? How yeah, long it's not like you're going to been... go back and watch that first period again. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, how long has it been that he's been dealing with this? Has he always been at, say, 80% this whole season? I, and I don't like using the injury excuse, but it, it's something that everyone's going to be thinking. Like, right. was if he ever was really the... healthy this whole year? Is that part yeah. of it? 
Yeah, if this was his first injury, you're, you know, you're not wondering as much, but it's like this is the third time with basically the same thing as, as far as we know. Um, and and it's more worrisome having had such a long layoff since March. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes non-contact injuries can just happen. Like it just, there's, there's just can happen. But... It left me wondering, like, was this? Did he not feel right all day? Just at least, I mean, at least that day, did he not feel right? Because no one's gonna say, "Hey, I, I don't think I should play because something doesn't feel right." Like, that's not how a pro athlete's mind works, especially not a goalie. But if if that has a little bit of influence on giving up three goals on on how on however small of a number of shots it was, like, that sucks. And it's just another piece of really bad luck that the yeah, are facing in this series. This is probably some hindsight, but you gotta wonder, should they maybe have split Gruby and Frank a little bit more? Like, I know the Avs really want to roll with one goaltender, but was it the right to pretty much ride Gruby through the Arizona series? It's a hindsight thing, but you had two goalies that were playing well going into this. Did you really need to ride one? I mean, he faced like what Groups. ten shots a game. I mean, I, I, he really didn't work much during that series. And I mean, the one game you could see, like, oh, you know, maybe you could could have given it to Frank would have been the second Brazil night, and that was closing out the series. So it's like, I mean, you can't take that away from the starting guy you know, to win the series on the ice. I know um, a lot of but, it. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Um. You know, yeah, I, and, and I, just, I mean, without knowing more about, about what happened with him, it's it's tough to. All right. <laughs> this hopefully that this will have a lot better quality now because my Wi-Fi is connected to the right Wi-Fi. Nice. Um. So yeah, I uh, well, if if any of that didn't get recorded very well, just to sum up, it it's uh it's interesting to look at look back on the first series and. The Avs playing Grubauer four games out of five, and more of the around Robin than not. Um, do, was it something that's absolutely necessary? Does is it's a little bit hindsighty, but does that have some kind of role to play in him picking up a non-contact injury? And, and then I think Frank would have been a little bit fresher, which is going to come into play in the next games. But it certainly should have, could have, woulda. But it's something to think about. And in group hour, moving forward, I mean, Varley was pretty much run out of town because he couldn't be counted on to stay healthy. Like, I think this is a legitimate concern with Grubauer moving forward. I mean, you, you hope it's just isolated one season, but like you said, it was such a long pause. You really can't say, okay, when he was injured in February, is that the same quote-unquote season as getting injured in August? And December. <laughs> so... So we're we're piling up a long string here, and it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving ahead into the future because Grubauer is going to need a new contract after a year, and I know we're not thinking about that right now, but that has to be something that's sort of on the back burner here that's going to have to be addressed at some point. Right. It's I mean, how long is he going to be out? I mean, if, is he going to be able to start next season? Because, I mean, there's literally no off season, so... I mean, theoretically, if everything goes as they're blocking it out right now, um, you know, there there isn't you know three or four months to to do 
a surgery or something like that and recover in time to, to start next season. So if it's something like he's going to be out until February later, um, that, that's, that's not good because they, they, they can't start with like Frank and Hotch as their goalie. Nope. Sure can't. <laughs> <laughs> that's just not going to work. <laughs> yeah, like, I know Frank hasn't been amazing, but I still have faith in him. I think he has the same ability as Grubauer. So right. to and me, it's not after... a, a downgrade after... there. After this game, I said, you know, Frank is fairly cold and it's going to take another game for him to get acclimated. And then sometime in game three, you know, then he's probably going to start rolling and get better and better. And the abs don't really have that kind of time. And they didn't. And it, they obviously lost game two. And then, you know, game three was still a little dodgy. I mean, hopefully now. A little. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully now Frank is is a little more in the zone, and I don't think you know I I don't think all these goals in the past two games are on him at all. But it just um you know they need better goaltending than what they've been getting, and they definitely need better defense because if Dallas keeps shooting from where they have been, there are going to be a lot more goals. Yeah, so let's get mad. Um, game two happened. <laughs> sure did. And. uh this this it was never. the game, if you've had it erased from your memory by the wildness of Game 3 or whatever else might be happening in the world, this was the game where Colorado got two power play goals to go up 2 to nothing, and then Joe Pavelski speared Nathan McKinnon, which is a game misconduct. But they called it slashing. They sure did. And so he was able to stay in, in, the, in the game and draw a penalty and score a goal on the, on the ensuing 5-on-3, and... There was only five on three because Corey and, Perry slash Grubauer or, or Francois, and for some reason the Abs get the penalty out of the scrum from that, and then uh, they so they score on both the five on three and the penalty kill. So kill a penalty, hello, someone, anyone? Yeah, that was tough. I, I mean, the the penalty that Cole took was he he basically cross checked Pavelski in the back, and as we've seen, that hasn't been called much this off season. In this series, this, it hasn't been called season. much. Right, and. You know, I just I, I think when you're calling that in the on a penalty um, kill that that's, you know, I and I realize they gave the Avs sort of a makeup five on three, which they did nothing with. Um, but that's that's not how it works. I mean, you can't even out a call like that. So I, I you know, I, I really question that as, as both a penalty call and, and a game manager. It was something that absolutely shifted the course of the game. Um but still, kill yeah. a penalty. Like, this is... I, I don't know how to be more clear that I'm not blaming the refs after spending a half hour blaming the refs. Kill a penalty. Um, so then after that, of course, Colorado does get their 5-on-3, which does nothing. which Because you can, you can just watch it and see the puck bouncing over sticks right before it gets to them. Like, it's just like, give me a break here. Dallas throws an errant pass out of the corner, which goes off of something... And then off of Alex Radulov's shoulder and just gracefully soars over Pavel Francouz into the net like they planned it that way. Like, what the right. fuck? No, I mean, that was the magic bullshit goal to end all magic bullshit goals. And I think on my feed, like, they came out of the highlight package too late. That, like, I don't even think yeah. they showed the face off. Yeah, so Brian Boucher was talking team... about something totally different. And like, oh, wow, look at that, you know? <laughs> 
Yeah, and it was like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, it... This I one it would have been the shit. Feed too. Yeah. This one would have been the shit happens game, but then following game one, it just was like, this just can't happen. Yeah. So it was a lot of bad luck. It was also the Avs put themselves in a position to be taken advantage of by bad luck. Yeah. If you so. if you kill one of those penalties, then this is a tying goal. You're just like, give me a break. It's not a go ahead goal, which is crushing. Yeah. And yeah, I remember all those cleared but not out, those failed clears. Mm -hmm. So I agree that that led to them taking the penalty. It uh, yeah, in the playoffs you absolutely can't give a team a 5 on 3 unless it's so egregious. It it yeah. just sucks ass that it's a 5 on 3 penalty drawn by a guy and then scored on by a guy who shouldn't have still been in the game. Right. And then yeah. of course as after Colorado just falls on their face for their entire penalty, um, Donskoy just kind of mishandles a puck at the line, and it's a breakaway the other way, and Essa Lindell takes a shot on the near post that, for some reason, knocks Pablo Frenzels over. Explain that one. <laughs> um, yeah. And then magically, through him, and the we're referee... we're still looking at it and don't know if the goal... <laughs> If it was actually a goal. The referee okay. who calls it a goal was behind the goalie. He cannot have possibly seen the puck. but So now the no. goal, call on the ice is goal. So yeah, they and then at that point, you have to find visual evidence that's not a goal. Which that wasn't going to happen. But there's absolutely no visual evidence that it was a goal. Right, and I don't blame Toronto for that at all. Because I'm sure they're looking at the same stuff we are. They might have something different, but it, it's obvious there wasn't a camera angle that you could have had in the, like maybe if there is one up on like the center scoreboard that was, you know, very high resolution zoomed in on that very point at that time of the game, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, it. you know, it's, it's like, not there's no way you could have is yeah. the right call. Like it's, it's the right result from the video review. The call on the ice is bullshit, but it's, it's the right yeah. call on the review. Yeah, I agree with that. So, right. So why are we calling goals that, maybe weren't ever seen and yeah it's just it was all these things that added up it wasn't their night but at the same time the Avs had had a five on three as well they also the the last five penalties in the game were called against dallas yeah, yeah so and they and they played not great in the third period for the second night in a, or second game in a, yeah they they uh, were completely smothered in that third period um, they, they, they got about the same amount of like shots and stuff in the second and third periods. The difference being the third period was all Colorado. So yeah. why aren't you getting more shots? What's going on here? Just a lot of and skating around and a lot of Andre Burakovsky in the slot passing and a lot of <laughs> not being able to get through the neutral yeah. zone. And then finally, with a minute to go... Essa Lindell just flings the puck down the ice and it gets on end and rolls and curves into the net. Congratulations on your free empty net goal. Everything else was free. May as well get that one for free too. Not Essa Lindell. Jamie Alexiak. I didn't scroll down far enough. My bad. Same difference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the you know, the abs controlled that period fairly well, but it's just they got no danger. I mean, I, you know, they had 16 shot attempts at 5v5 and had one high danger chance. That's, you know, that's just unacceptable. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people look at the, the 
shot share and say like, oh gosh, you know, it's like they're 80% in that period. That's pretty good. And I'm like, well, you know, if you're not getting quality shots, Dallas is more than happy to just sit there and let pucks bounce off a moment. Um, Cause they blocked half of the shot attempt. That's been something that throughout the series, they have blocked nearly um, half of all the uh, shot attempts at 5v5. So it's just, um, that is part of the old Dallas Stars, sort of the, the, the pre-Calgary Dallas Stars that they're still doing. Kevin Connaughton, shots. Uh, Kevin Connaughton drew into this game. And part of the he reason sure that, that Dallas was able to block so many shots is that so many of them came from defenders, and among your shot leaders was Kevin Connaughton. Yeah. Is that and what look, we he's wanted? got a decent shot. I, I don't mind him shooting because he does have a decent shot, but it's just... That that can't be your your go to plan is to have Brian Graves and Kevin Connaughton and and Ian Cole just peppering away at everybody in front of the net because they're just they're not making it through and they're not creating any kind of danger. Yeah, I don't remember that... who number three was. It was a forward. It wasn't McKinnon. But the, your your one, two, and four shooters in this game were Ryan Graves and Kevin Connaughton and Sam Gerrard. Yeah, those but aren't forwards. Follows... This follows. Uh, this is what they want to do. That's the scary thing. That the top five shooters in the regular season. One was Nathan McKinnon, and the next four were defensemen. Yeah, Ryan Graves. And one of them was not more shots than most either. forward. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was. One of the top shooters. Um, but it's we we saw them do this against Darcy Camper in the first series, and I I think it played us into. Um, you know, this is going to be armchair pop psychology bullshit, but when you're trying to beat a goalie that you feel like is having a night, like, you're going to overpass, you're going to be looking for just the right opportunity, you're going to shoot wide because you're picking corners, and you're going to get a lot of shots from on top because you're trying to get deflections. Colorado got shut out five on five in this game. The abs do get sucked into trying to make nice plays too often. I think they're trying to, to take unsavable shots, and you just you don't have to do that. Yeah, but it's a very you know, it's human like thing. I like, it's not like it's unexplainable. It's like well, yeah, you just you have to fight yourself not to do that. And I say a lot of people say like you know why is Sam Gerrard shooting? He's got a muffin from the point and everything like that. But his shot is accurate. Um, you know, it's like Zadorov can probably shoot the puck 15, 20 miles an hour harder than Sam can. That Sam can net. <laughs> that just means it'll ring around and out of the zone faster. Right on. I mean, it's just that's, you know, that's the thing. Like, I, I would, if I were a goalie, I'd be much more scared of Sam Gerard shooting than Zadorov. Well, um, yeah, and his like, shot does create offense. Like, no, it, it is not a hard shot, but we, yeah. there, I could come up with countless examples of he, his shot led to a tip tip goal that there was one i forget which game it was but it, it hit the post the low post like that could well, have been it, a goal it's... it just it, it stays in that area that's the thing it's like when ej and zadorov shoot it generally self-clears because they're just high and wide and, and it just goes out of the zone by itself z likes you know, to like take headhunters by the way have you noticed <laughs> yeah <laughs> he does because he shoots the puck six feet off the ice it's terrifying generally what he does yeah and, you know, there's merit to that in some way, I guess. But it's just, 
you know, Sam is trying to basically lob the puck into where Av's players might be able to do something. Um, and I just, I, you know, I, I find that at least he, as effective, if not more. The problem is enough often. The problem is that that works in a, in the Av's normal system, but when you decide that instead of that, you're gonna overpass. You're gonna try to work it around and around and around and get the perfect, you know, the perfect play that can't possibly be saved. Then you don't have somebody in you know in the area who's ready to tip this. You don't have enough bodies that are ready for the rebound when it makes it all the way to the goalie's pads. Like it's it self defeats when you're trying too hard. Right, and that's not Sam's fault. That's 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 the way the team decided to play at the end of this game. And one thing that I also think is worth mentioning is that I don't remember if it was on one of their power plays in the second or if it was between them. But Nathan McKinnon just about tore the, the crossbar down, and uh, oh yeah, and it bounced about a three inches to the left of of Kudobin and could have just gone off his back and in. I mean, like it was. This is the level of magic bullshit we're talking about. He missed a goal by a half inch, maybe. Yeah, and then it would have um, been three two. Yeah, I mean that that's <clears throat> that's sort of what went wrong with this night. Is just it 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 wasn't a non-close game, um, you know, it was very close the way they played it. It just, Avs didn't get the bounce. Star sure did. And it was just so much more disappointing because then it followed game one. Right. Yeah. You understand that things like this are going to happen in a playoff series. And that that's why you can't take nights off. Because then you have no wiggle room. So this game yeah, sucked. Yeah, so pretty much. So it's set up that they had to win game three. They had to win game three, or else this this was over. Yeah. So uh, what it's set up to be. So game three. Uh, wow. Where to even begin? I'm glad I didn't have to watch this live. I don't think I could have <laughs> taken it. You know. I, I'm glad that I didn't care and didn't think it should be happening because it made it a lot easier to sit through. I did not sit through the third period because I knew it was going to be a lot of bullshit. And so I checked the score. At, it was 3-1 when I turned it off, and it was 6-4, and I went, oh, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I watched it honestly, on a I thought delay was... and left it with the Discord. <laughs> I, th I thought there had to be some empty net. I, like, I even, when I saw that score, I didn't think they had, like, given it up and then had to get it back. I thought maybe there was some empty net action or something, like, maybe it was 4-2 to two at some point and Dallas scored and, you know, something like that. Weird stuff happens with the goalie pulled and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, that was a roller coaster, that's for sure. So good things out of this game. Um, the Avalanche scored three unanswered twice, so that's nice. Um, yeah. They got six goals with zero from Nathan McKinnon. That's improvement. Yeah. Andre Burakovsky got himself back on the board. That's That's been a minute. Miko Rantanen looked really strong in this game. He did. Um, bad things, they gave up three goals unanswered in the third period. Which just oh, can't happen. Colorado yeah. has come into the series and said, how many times can we blow a two-goal lead? Yeah. 
No, it's it, <clears throat> I I just I, I couldn't believe when I was watching it. I mean, I knew the outcome, but it, watching how that third period played out, I, I it's too bad that that was on very late, and I doubt many people from the East Coast watched it as most games last, but um, you know that that was that was good times. <laughs> Well, sure, it's nice watching when you know they're going to win. <laughs> yep. <laughs> this, the only That's thing... watching on a time delay is nice when you have the Discord going, and everybody reacts before you, what you get to see. You know what you should prepare for. <laughs> Yo, I closed out of Discord um, when Tyler Sagan scored, because <laughs> that place, y'all, <laughs> you got to get a grip. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I, I was like, I'm not gonna sit here and read this. It's not worth my time. Oh, I can imagine. Um, so but, overall, it, they did what they needed to, to do, and I got to mute myself for a minute. They gave they gave themselves a one goal deficit to start with, and then they fought back. And then they gave up three goals, and then they fought back. So, that's encouraging. The funny, one funny part is Bednar actually used his timeout to rally the troops. Yeah, it didn't work, I, but... It didn't work. I know. <laughs> I know a lot of people like seeing that, but it's then that's... really nice to know that he is aware you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Right, like, I, I liked his explanation of it, that he knew he needed to that that's something that's happened that momentum can get away from them so i i don't mind that he did it it's just funny that they it didn't really have the effect that people think it does but yes sometimes it's worth trying more good things in this game kale mccard three assists two primary well done there yeah um you know it, it, i think it, it if you look down the scoring, there are a lot of guys that needed points in this game. It was basically, outside of the three-headed monster, everybody was pretty much getting shut out for the series. Um, and what did Jared Bednar do to try to make that stop happening? He kept his lines exactly the same. Well, he used the blender more. Well, Donskoy didn't play, so he put Nachushkin up with Kadri, and, and I, I think Nachushkin is—he's so unpredictable this postseason. I don't—I I mean, it's just—I—I I, I can see why there's trepidation among the staff about putting him in in any place in the lineup because you really—you're not sure what you're going to get. Um, but I—I I, I liked his game. I, I think that the way that line played was. You know, it, it was promising enough that, that maybe we might have two lines, maybe one and a half now instead of like one and an eighth. <laughs> um, I so. still think the second and third lines are a concern. It... Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've been like over it before. Bur I'm sure we'll go over it again. Yeah, like Burakovsky, it hasn't been a great series for him. Yes, he finally got on the board. But it's just a lot of these guys that they found and performed better than than they had in the previous years, like Burakovsky, like Nuke, um, 
not Don Scoy, but he's not really a top six player either. It's just, you know, what what can you realistically expect from these guys in in a series like this? So it's just, you know, did they make too large of a bet that that some of these guys were going to keep it rolling when? Maybe it looked like a little too much of a miracle that that you just find these top six players under a rock. Like it doesn't really work that way. So when it kind of turns back into a pumpkin, maybe you shouldn't have been counting on it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, like N- Nemesnikov has been terrible. Oh yeah, the entire off season. And you know, all right, they they put Logan O'Connor in this game for his first. Um, NHL playoff game. Yeah, also one thing we haven't good. mentioned yet, Matt Calvert, broken. Yeah. It's weird, like, with EJ and with Grubauer, we we saw what happened, we get it, but these forwards that played, and they're all of a sudden unfit to play, and they're sort of on the edge of playing and not playing. Some of them you can wonder is, like, Don Scoy, did he kind of get benched and given the unfit as you know, trying to be nice there because he he hasn't been great. So you wonder. No, nah, because I think Donsko was actually playing better before game three. I, I think Donsko has been okay. I thought Donsko was terrible in the Arizona series, but better against Dallas. But Nemestikov hasn't, he hasn't stepped up at all. And, it, you know, Bednar even called him out. Um, but it just, all right, they put Logan O'Connor in and, and that's exactly what that, checking line needed they needed some speed because um you know that that's kind of what calvert brings and like you know nuke is very good defensively and that's kind of what you're thinking oh a checking line you know a guy that suppresses shots might be good there but it that didn't work nemestikov was terrible on that line they put o'connor on that line and, and having his speed plus nietos and then that helped belmar you know overcome being slow and, and not very accurate with his shots like that so that's a nice find. <laughs> yeah, I was fine. I was fine with them playing O'Connor. I kind of thought of that too, that he he could do some of the things they're missing with Calvert out. Right. And he was flooring people. I mean, he was laying the hits on people. Um Logan O'Connor I, got one credited thing, with One thing about hits. that game, all right. I I think they said the Avs had sixty hits in that game or something like that. I think like, it was even more than that. The, the score right. was being a little aggressive on the... right i i think they had the islanders scorer in that game or something like that because <laughs> Cal Clutterbuck I mean... has 35 hits a game <laughs> right um because it's you know I, I saw that before i watched the game and it i'm looking and i'm like you know and they're mentioning oh like gabe landeskog has 12 hits already and i'm like <laughs> i've been watching him it's just all right he's bumping and jostling some guys and stuff like he's not like hitting people when they have possession of the puck or anything yeah, because not not to get too boring with this, so I'll do it real fast. I hit it's counted as a hit if you physically remove someone from the puck and so they don't have it anymore. Right. That's what counts as a hit. If they pass it and then a second and a half later you finish your check into the board, that's not a hit. No. Stop it. All right, and it's not an indication a team's being physical either. Just like you said, like when guys are finishing their checks, yeah, you know, it's like. You don't get credited for that, so it's like a, a hit is not an indication that guys are being physical. And you don't deserve to get credited for it either, because it means A, you don't have the puck, and B, you're too slow to get to it. Right. 
But then it's disappointing to see some of the more old school media types talking about how important it is to lead in hits and Dallas had so many more hits than the abs. And it's like, you have to, yeah, like you said, you have to remember it also means you didn't have the puck. Like, I think the physicality is a part of this series. It's, it's an aspect. It's a storyline. The abs have to work through that. That's something they always have to do. But you you can't just analyze it by, okay, well, who's who's leading in the hits? And then you get a game where the hit counter guy goes crazy, and you're like, oh, wow, the abs, abs figured it out. It's just – it's stupid. It doesn't tell you what's going on. It yeah, did like seem like – shut up about Jamie Alexiak and how many hits he has during this series. <laughs> you're just like – yeah, all right. He's huge, and and like I, I, I don't know how he gets counted for all the hits, but it's you know he's doing things that help the team that aren't really physical related. I mean, you know, he's actually playing a good complementary uh, defensive partner to Mira Heiskanen. He was credited with as many hits in Game Three as was Valerie Nichushkin, eight apiece. <laughs> that seems weird. <laughs> Maybe they hit each other three times. You Maybe so. There, you know, there's, there's been a lot of, of, of things like that. And what I, th- I think that we... I mean, you're always going to see this in Game 3 of a Best of 7 series um, that's contentious. Is you, you start to see the hate kind of bubbling up, but we're really starting to see these teams really hate each other in this series. Yeah. I don't think that there's any surprise to that because these two teams have never exactly been friends. Um, no. not that anybody remembers the '90s or nothing, but like even even lately they've because Simeon Varlamov and Matt Duchesne had the Stars number for so long, and then this year Colorado just couldn't get a goal past this team. Like there's always been a little something between them nagging, so it's uh not entirely unexpected. And then especially when you've got guys like Gabe Landeskog and uh. Jamie Benn and Corey Perry and I guess apparently Val Nichushkin now is suddenly a big bruiser. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I don't I, think it's gone borderline though. I mean, when it gets really hateful, it starts to get borderline dirty. I don't think we're there yet. It could though. I'm hoping that it doesn't because yeah, when that true. happens is when Colorado sucks. Okay. Yes, and then they'll lose right? somebody. <laughs> They really can't lose. Are you ready for my stand-up out-of-my-seat moment? When Colorado were up 3-1, Dallas just start hitting everything in sight. They did this in Game 2, too. When it was 2-0, Dallas just started hitting everything in sight. Colorado decided that they're not going to be pushovers, and they can play that game just as well as you can. Except they, they can't. They, they're not good at this. They, they start running yeah. around. They stop playing hockey. They start chasing hits. And all of a sudden, you've given up three goals, and you're trailing 4-3. to three. Oops. Yeah, and this happened against San Jose last year, the same thing. So, you know, there there is a precedent for something they need to overcome here. But then what do you do? You you sign a whole bunch of bruisers? Like, what do you... How do you work through that? Or you just don't? I, I don't... I think this is going to be something they need to solve in order to get to where they want to be where they're in the conference finals and the cup finals because it's kind of obvious if you want to stop the abs you have to hit them yeah but they were hitting back i mean look at what miko did to heiskanen at the end of the game three and that was pretty awesome 
I uh, don't think he meant to do that. <laughs> <laughs> he might have. We'll never. On Finn on Finn violence? Know. I mean, <laughs> there's only one group of people who truly know what was in Miko Rantanen's head at that moment, and they all post on defending Big D. <laughs> I mean, it's Miko. I mean, come on. Like, him doing something awkward is going to be the first option before anything intentional. That's why we love him. Half the time, he looks like whatever he did was on accident. Yeah. Plausible denial built right in. I... You know, maybe they, maybe their fathers hate each other, you know? I mean, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so game three happened, and uh, everyone lost their collective minds, and now hopefully we found them again, and can try to move forward and, and take something from it. And I, 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 you're asking how do you solve you know this stop running around thing? It is it not just playing with discipline? Like I think you, you got to play your game, and at some point Colorado stops playing their game. Earl, go. Yeah, I mean I think you're you're right about that. I mean, Dallas has basically dictated the style of this series the whole way, and, and you know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a counter for it. Just because you know, if you're losing and, and decide to become physical, there's really not, you know, that that's not something that like speed can overcome or scoring a lot of goals can overcome. Um, they're they're just gonna have to find some way to ameliorate the effects of it, um, and, and scoring will do that. Um, so, what what I really want to see going into game four is you know, a, a game plan that's, that's cohesive and that they follow for 60 minutes because it just doesn't seem like that they've been able to put together a game where they basically play the Avalanche style um, for most of the And I, I think it's important that they be able to do that. I know they're not going to be able to do it all the time. Um, but if they're going to win this series, they're going to have to be able to inflict their will upon the stars for at least some large stretches. And that, that is a concern. Like even in game three, it looked like Dallas has their breakout figured out. So, and it seems like the abs are just hoping it's going to work. And I, we've talked about this before. At what point do you say, we know what we do works. We're going to keep at it because we shouldn't panic because we shouldn't change who we are. But if another team's figured it out and another team knows how to stop it, what are you hoping for? Are you just hoping for luck? Or are you just hoping that Dallas won't execute? You need some new I ideas. Well, I, I think what you hope for is if you're playing avalanche hockey, then you're owning the neutral zone. And that's something that, that both the forecheck and their neutral zone play has not been what we're used to. Um, the Avs all season were one of the best, if not the best, um, team playing in the neutral zone. And <clears throat> that's not something we've seen this series. And that's what that's kind of what I hope that Jared Bednar has been able to sort of beef up over these past few days, um, getting back to what they do well as far as a forecheck. Because a lot of the forechecks in the last couple of games, they're just basically doing a one-two-two, two, not much pressure in, in the the Dallas 
um, defensive zone when, when Dallas is trying to break it out. And, you know, that's allowing Dallas to go through the neutral zone with speed. That just makes it easier and easier for them to rack up shots. They're shooting, you know, they're shooting a lot better. So, you know, they need to own the neutral zone a lot better and, and start getting some possession. And, and I think they can do it. Um, but it's just, they, they need a better game plan and, and be more committed to it. So I'm going to ask a similar question from an Avs perspective in a minute. But um, if if you're a fan of the Dallas Stars, after you stop involuntarily throwing up, how do you feel about this series? I think you'd be thrilled. Honestly. I, I think you're worried about certain things. Um, I think you're worried about your goaltending. Um, I think you're worried that you know you you've been able to do some things that that you know you you probably wouldn't have bet on to start the series, and how long is that going to last? You know, can can they keep this up for another two victories? Um, you know, and if you're Abs fans, you're you're definitely worried. Like, oh, sure, they can do. This. They're just killing us right now. But you know, if you're a Stars fan, you're you're really worried that you know it. Is the Ben line going to be that dominant? Um, I, I just, I, I don't know how you can be confident that you're going to shut down the Avs in general. And, and like, really, the McKinnon line hasn't. Um, they, they have done the majority of the scoring for the Avs so far, but um, there's a lot of evidence that there's, you know, that they're not having that, that good of a time. That's um, like. The Ben line has been killing them in very limited minutes, and generally, Bonus has been sending Blake Como's line out against him and having a pretty good time with that. So, um, you know, I, I just I, I don't know how sustainable that is. I mean, they only got to win two more times. That that's the thing. Like, almost nobody picked Dallas to win this series. So, right, but. But say the Avs were up 2-1 right now, how confident would you be that the Avs could be more times playing like this? Well, I don't think they play great. So, I mean, if we're talking about the Avs, I think Dallas in general has played better than the Avs. And yeah. they're the ones that have the advantage. You know, it, it, it's huge that the Avs at least got one, but Dallas still has the lead here. So... Right, I'm just saying, if the Avs were up 2-1 right now, how confident would you be as far as, you know, style versus style? You know, like, say the Magic Bullshit game and gone the Avs way, you know, would you be like, oh, we're winning the next two, no problem? I mean, it's, I don't think either team can feel that confident in what's going on. I would feel a lot better about the series if the Magic Bullshit game had gone the Avs way, and the reason for would... that is, I think that their first half of that game was some of the best they played this playoff. They have been they came out and they just smushed Dallas for a good period in five or ten minutes. And yeah. then the you know the officials said, hey, I want to play. And Colorado said, yeah. Oh well then I don't want to. <laughs> and they threw away an outstanding period of hockey. If that doesn't happen then you've got a game that you lose because you play badly. You've got a game that you win in the face of some nonsense. And you got a game that you <laughs> tried to throw away, but you couldn't manage to do it. So, yeah. 
from that, like, well, if I, you look at it like that, I, Colorado's feeling pretty good, and Dallas is feeling kind of like, man, what do we got to do? Okay, but all right, let, let's say game four is a magic bullshit game where Dallas plays better and the Avs win anyway. Um, you know, then then we're in a three game series, and neither team, you know, both teams have a magic bullshit win, and then you know after that, it's just sort of some bounce. Um. I, I think if you're Dallas, you're you are concerned that the Avs talent can explode at any time. Right. But you also know that McKinnon and that line have done their thing and it still really doesn't matter. You you still can control the game and win it. I think yeah. I think they've but, they've got to be pretty happy. I just yeah. don't see them being that confident in Kudobin right now. Um I just it, like neither goalie has been playing that well. You know, this is not a goalie-driven series, so that there's there there's a lot of potential for shenanigans, magic bullshit. So I just I, I think there's going to be a lot of randomness in however many games there's going to that that we get after. This. So before we get into our player judgments. Um, what do you think Colorado need to do to take, you know, two of the next three? They probably need good goaltending. They need the second line and third line to show up on, at five and five, and to not get run over. And they need to keep the power play production up. I mean, it's just simple as that. You're not going to win if you don't get goals from your power play. I think if and McKinnon's line is better than Ben's, they've got this. No, this fun. series is not about Ben's line. This series is about what I said last that week. It's about the Pavelski line. It's about the the even the Perry line. It is about them doing damage to the Avs. Corey like, Perry had a second. vintage right. Corey Perry game in either two or three. I don't remember which one it was. He played really well. And he didn't get rewarded for it, thank goodness. But it was just like, he's, you know, blowing by people, and then he's starting shit on the other end. Like, it was it was a nice little reminder that he's, you know, he's an NHLer now, but he scored like 50 goals once, so. <laughs> yeah, right. this, this is not about best on best. This is not about, can you I, I keep your stars down? Ben's Ben's line is has scored six goals and had zero against, and Max line is plus four minus. Um, you know it. <clears throat> that's, you know that that's something that if it was reversed, I don't think the Avs would have lost a game yet. If what the top the line Avs hasn't given up. Stay out of the box, too, because that's what led Dallas back into game. Uh, can you say that again? I think if the Avs can stay out of the box, because that's what also led to Dallas getting back three and then causing the chaos in the period, I think that will also be a key to help the tide of the Avs' favor. Well, yeah. the Avs definitely don't want a special teams game because that's what happened in game two. Like it sure was. 
I don't I don't know if I feel like they're playing undisciplined because what happened in game two is a lot of ticky tackness. But yes, in general, staying out of the box is a good thing. I don't want to watch a special teams battle. Like, that's boring. Yeah. Well, it's also boring when you know that you don't have the advantage <laughs> in it. Well, I, I just, I, I think the Avs' strength is, you know, going for, for long 5v5 runs without, you know, a lot of interruptions for penalties and whatnot. I, I just, I, I think um, they <laughs> the way that game one was officiated is, how, is what we need to wish for is, know two penalties or three penalties total you know i think if that's how it goes i i think i think it's going to end up benefiting the good guys but if we get some nonsense like game two where it's impossible to tell what is going to count as interference and what isn't then doesn't favor colorado at all no um so let's do stars and scratches um, who from from Colorado earns your stars of the week? I think the. I mean, this is so tough, just because nobody has been consistent. Yeah, I think the freebies right. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, I was gonna say he's pretty clearly. I think he still leads the league in playoff scoring, or at least until tonight. But yeah, let's check. I, <clears throat> I mean, I would agree. It's just their line just doesn't seem to be doing so hot. To- I, I, Wait, they're know, doing I, better I think... than the other lines. <laughs> he's he's not only leading in points; he's leading in points by four. He's got twenty. The next closest is is Elias Peterson with sixteen. Is it Elias Peterson? <laughs> is Peterson with sixteen? Is it Patterson? It's that guy from Vancouver with sixteen. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with Nico just because I I think we're seeing flashes of him, um, being. I don't know. I, it's hard to call him normal because he's never normal, but um, sort of the Miko we expect. And I, I really did like when he flattened at the end of that game. I, I think just if you get a guy like that, his size, and he decides to be me, you know, that that's just, that's awesome to watch. I don't know if that's Miko, but he him executing, like that goal he scored, that was hot. That that was a Miko goal, yeah. and that makes Definitely. up for him trying to take the one time or twice on the power plane falling over. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna fall down. That's that's what makes him so lovable. There's been some comedy <laughs> out of like at least when when the Avs are are playing badly, it isn't just like dreadful. It's some sometimes it's just comic. There's nothing you can do like. Like the, the puck slowly drifts to Ryan Graves on the, at the blue line, and he winds up and takes a one timer and hits air, and you just laugh. Like, what else are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, that was another good one. Um, yeah, other than that, it's and sure, I guess maybe Landy. You just give it to the whole line. I, other than that, I don't really think anybody deserves a gold star. I think Carr is actually showing signs of of coming out of whatever funk he was in at the beginning of the round robin and throughout the the Arizona series to some degree. If we can keep you connected yeah. I mean, long if, enough. Imagine see, if uh, he was like really good again. How how awesome would the abs be then? That'd be nice. Uh, yeah. let, let, let's see who <laughs> Vlad's got if we can keep him connected. I'm coming up with slim pickings here. It's been really tough to find 
other than McKinnon and Ransom. So I I don't know if you want to call it. Um, I got nothing. I, I really got nothing on this. That's fine. Uh, I'll I'll you toss a star. The fact that they that they you want to just call it that they actually showed some resiliency and were able to win game three. Sure. Can resiliency get a get a gold star? Yeah. It sure. it sure can. I I think we can give a star to Logan O'Connor for being the aggressive forecheck that they miss without Matt Calvert. Um, yeah. And I was going to give him a mention. Yeah. Gets, at, at least he gets an honorable mention. Um, and then we can kind of look into our scratches, maybe of why where is that? Can we scratch the forecheck? I mean, I think number one has to be Nemestikov. Oh yeah. I mean, he's just. He's just he just in... hasn't played enough, though. I mean, well, there's a reason. There's... Yeah, when he... <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> it, it seems like everything he tries to do just doesn't work. Like yeah. e- even when he's doing the obvious right thing, it just doesn't connect. Yeah, I, I just I, and I hate it because he seems like a nice guy and, and all that, but it just he, he looks like he's playing himself out of any consideration. Extension. He, he was a perfectly fine addition in the regular season. Yeah. He's just been so bad, you have to wonder if he's hurt, which I hate. It's like the injuries is never the excuse, but it's just been so bad. And then we also know he's been injured. Like, he can't be that bad just on ability. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You're bad, you're you're not helping. And at this point, they need all the help they can get. But my scratch is probably Burkowski. Now, I know that he finally showed up. And helped him win. He was so bad defensively. I think it was game one. I mean, he his laziness on defense was a factor on two goals against. And yeah, and if if he was producing, it would be one thing, but he's not. Right, he has like exactly one dimension, and when he's doing that one dimension, yes, that has value. But you really can't put up with the ton waiting for that one dimension to show up. There's just a whole lot of no room for error with him. So, I mean, when you're thinking of him, he needs to go on the, you need to break up the top line and put him on the top line. And it's like, you know, I don't know if that's the solution either. And then you just, you can't count on him as a top six player. It's like when he shows up and he scores that goal and it's great and it's wonderful, but he's still not a top six guy. Every time we talk about putting Burakovsky on the top line, we this is the kind of thing people say, and we have to just remind them we're we're not breaking up, we're not putting somebody else on the top line for the top line. Let's because we we want Gabe Landeskog to play with Nazem Kadri. Um, yeah, because no Burakovsky has not earned that promotion, and that's that's kind of the issue with lines two and three in general is nobody has earned that promotion. I guess I you'd say okay, you're not doing it for scoring, but you have to be able to play well defensively. If you're Wisman Kinnan. And he's not it. So I, I don't know what the answer is there. I think. I think what, they're going to live and die. Based on what that middle six can do. In this series. I really think that's what it's going to come down to. Okay. We're doomed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Nemesnikov. Burakovsky. Who else? Comfer. He's been garbage. Yeah, when when you're looking that. for a four check. And you're not seeing it from JT Comper. There's a sign. And he's just not producing anything. 
I mean, but he's, yeah, he's three shots on goal. Um, you know, I mean, it's he, we're not even thinking of dialing 877 goals right now. Cause we found well, it. maybe if the Avs can get to September, he'll get a rollover and he'll get some minutes so he can dial 1877 again. I'll see. Here's the thing. JT Confer has one fantastic game a month. Yeah. So we got to win either game four or game five so that he can have a fantastic game six. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, even for just sort of run of the mill comfort, he's been bad. Um, he's one just... of the guys getting taken advantage of by Tavolsky. Yep. Totally. Um, and, and part of that, like, I think he and Jost finally, after many, many years have developed a little bit of, con- a, a little bit of chemistry that actually works on the ice, but it's, you know, their problem is, is they're the other guy line and they always get saddled with whoever's, you know, in the doghouse. You know, they, they deal with Nemesnikov or it's been Nichushkin sometimes or Donnie. I mean, it's just, you know, whoever is the third guy in that line is not helping them out too much. Because I think, you know, they're young enough that they still need a little bit of help. But, I mean, any line like that is going to need all three guys going. And that's just, that's never been the case in this series. I have an idea who could help, but I'm not going to say it. Probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> so you leave that all to your imagination. <clears throat> I'd like to scratch the hockey gods. Because I, I watched Game wonder why we. Game too. Everyone's going to wonder why we didn't mention any defensemen here, and it would have been really easy to mention Connaughton or EJ for getting injured for the millionth time. Now, or... Connaughton's an easy one because he's your seventh D. It's like, pick somebody who's actually a, a difference maker. Right. Um... Connaughton did have the shot that led to the Cadre goal. You know, you do have to... You have to give him credit for that, right? Like, that, that was an right. important goal, and he made the shot and everything, and he was okay in the first game. Like, the first he was okay and then terrible. Yeah. <laughs> the first goal, okay. The first game, yeah. he was okay overall. He was fine. He, the, the first three shifts he had were pretty bad, and for whatever reason, they actually didn't get any shots against somehow. So he looked a little better on paper than he was in reality, but he was fine. But yeah, you saw the problems in the second game he played. Took two bad penalties, the bad defensive Turnip. coverage. Lots of turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, he's certainly not alone on the in the turnover department on the back end, right. though. And, no, none know, of they... them have been fantastic. That's why none of them got a star either. Right. I think, I, I think I we can, get... can collectively scratch the defenders. That yeah, well, been I mean, it's just they're, they're both they're they're they've all been okay. So that's Vlad's <laughs> vote. Vlad scratches the defenders, and I'll scratch the hockey gods. <laughs> I think the def- defenders need help, though. I, that's part of it. Right. They and it, I thought it help. was interesting. In, on one of the broadcasts, they mentioned that one of the reasons that, that Dallas was able to start scoring versus Calgary is that the forwards started closing up the gap back to the defense on the breakouts and in the neutral zone, and that helped them a, a lot. You often. can do that? You can do that, and that's <laughs> you know that's something that we generally see when the abs aren't playing well. Is you start getting too much of a gap between your de- defensemen and your forwards, and then and you I haven't really ice noticed the puck it a... like four or five times in a row. Right. We haven't seen that happen. Uh, 
I think we did actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, again, that's that's part of what I was talking about with with Jared Bednar sort of beefing up what they do in the neutralism because that's you know, that's a big part of their breakout and and how they transport the puck into where it needs to be. So, you know, hopefully that's that's something that that they're able to find a, a cure for. So if you're listening and you're wondering, boy, we've made it all the way through all three games and Stars and Scratches, and nobody mentioned that Nikita Zadorov got hurt. Uh, Nikita Zadorov got hurt, but he should be back in game four. Conversation had. I, I think they need him, for sure. And he was looking good in game three, taking over a little bit of that EJ time. role. And I think he has a lot more to give in that role than he does normally. So that would be a big help potentially and yeah hope it's true that he's back but in the playoffs and in the bubble nobody knows anything so (laughs) just see who shows up and plays yeah i i mean i haven't liked z most of the postseason but it that that half of the game that he managed to play in game three the first time i've liked what i've seen so Benner liked it too. Um, he was pretty complimentary. Yeah, so. yeah which he makes was. it suck even more that that's when he gets injured. Like, give me a break. Yeah, and it was such a weird injury too. It's like he saw him flying into the boards with his arm up, and then, you know, his shoulder, elbow, wrist. If he can't handle the puck, if he's just basically out there to to get in the way, or, or... I don't know that. <clears throat> that's something that I'll be looking for early. In- or is it you can actually puck? Yeah, that'll that'll be a, a, an important indicator of where he's at, and then also where the defense is at. Because with with Zadorov out, you notice that the third pairing just kind of no longer existed. Um, Kevin Connaughton's night was over. We we went back to rolling our our other four defenders pretty much exclusively. Yeah. And you do not want up. to do that when you're playing again the next day. Game four will be um, tomorrow as we speak, which is Sunday at four o'clock Mountain. And game five will be back to back on Monday. And that is scheduled at 745 Mountain, I think. It is. Yeah, 745 Mountain. So you've got a 27 hour turnaround. Please do not play Kale McCarr 28 minutes because that didn't work last time. And that usually pretty much means they're down. Yeah. If if you just if you didn't watch the game and the first thing you look at and you see them in car played twenty eight minutes, you know that's probably not a good thing. And it's not just that, it's when you see that he and Sam have a lot of ice time together. Right. You know that they're looking for offense. We we all like the turn and burn just as much as you do. However, it's not something you can play all game long. Then it becomes turn and burn out. Right. right. It becomes turnover and burnout at that point. Ah. But when they're playing offense, they work together. And it's beautiful. But if you're trying to protect a lead, it's less beautiful. I think they figured out to use it sometimes in those defensive situations, which is good. You want to see the evolution of that pair together, but completely chasing the game is bad. It transitions well. You need well. to prep them in practice to do that. I mean, it's just like 
you know, after Z got hurt, you saw Sam on the penalty kill. It's like, all right, I think that's something that's viable, um, but I doubt he practices there like ever. I don't know. I mean, he he might attend meetings for PK. Um, I would assume most of the defensemen do, but maybe not. It just, <clears throat> I think Sam can actually PK if you prep him for it. And that's just not something that they seem to ever think of. I thought he was fine on it. I mean, he wasn't the worst PKer. Who was? Nah. Um, I don't know. Graves and Cole probably were some of those cleared but not outs. I don't... They do play a lot on the PK, so it's easy to single them out. Yeah, that's so probably that's, true. It's a tough, it, it, that's a tough one, but I will say we're going to give an opportunity for the hockey gods to pay us back here, get in, back in our good graces. Hopefully the three-day pause, break, whatever you want to call it, has them heal some bumps and bruises and has them come up with a game plan. That's yeah. what we're hoping for. Although, unfortunately, it doesn't sound like it's going to heal it, like the injured players that aren't Zdorov enough to be on the ice, probably. Because it, it doesn't sound like anybody else skated today. No. Which is weird, especially those forwards. Like, apparently Calver got hurt in warm-up, and then Donskoy's been really weird, so it is a little strange. It's really hard to peg what's going on with those guys. Especially yeah, Calvert. Yeah, Calvert is a big mystery, and that's the first I've heard that he got hurt in warm-up, but um, it doesn't sound like he's close. <laughs> Which sucks. Or at least the game he's, he didn't play. He's he day-to-day in the very vaguest sense. <laughs> or maybe not necessarily he got hurt in warm-up, but he took warm-up that game, so... But we don't know, because nobody can see that stuff. Nope. There's, there's nobody in the arena to watch warm up, not a soul. Um, have y'all watched the other series? Because I gotta tell you, with I everything else going on in the world and for me personally, I have pretty much not. I've I watched seen a little some. of Tampa and Boston today. I've heard that that's pretty much peak playoff hockey right there. Tampa is good. Um. I haven't. I caught a little bit of Philly and the Islanders. They're, you know, it's always tough to to tell what a team looks like when they're playing the Islanders. Just <laughs> a different animal, but <laughs> you can um, play hockey or you can play against the Islanders. Not both. Right. <laughs> um, Tampa. I, I've I've caught a bunch of their games off and on or, or periods here and there, and I just I don't see anyone else that could take four out of seven of from them at this point. And, you know, that can always change. we got a couple more. You know, we got half a round plus another one before we get to the finals. But um, if, if Tampa ends up making their making it there looking like they do now, uh, they got it in the bag. They've certainly got momentum on their side. And, yeah, yeah now they, they, they're up 3-1. to Because um, Boston looked, definitely looked better in, in the first round and in game one. I think Boston won game one, but... Yeah, it, Tampa's Tampa turning so it on skill. at the right time. Yeah, Braden well, Point just, has been piling up the numbers. Yeah, he's real good. Um, yeah, that's just that they just have too much in their top six, and I just you no, know, I, I, 
you know, I, I realize Vegas plays a really good game. I, I think when the Avs um, are really firing on all cylinders, you know, they can be competitive with something like that, but it just seems like they're on a different level. I agree with that. It's hard because that, that series tied 1-1, so they haven't even had game three yet. So well, They're it's... having game three right now. Or yeah, yeah, tonight. So the... We'll see. Cool. But um, Yeah, I still think Vegas is the better team. But uh, Vancouver always poses that trouble because they have the skill and the speed, but uh, it'd still be tough to see them be able to close it out against Vegas. And, and then, yeah, Vegas still... came out and sh- uh, in game expect. one and shit on them. Just they absolutely let loose. And Vancouver came back in one game, too. So who, who, who knows anything? Yeah. And I agree. Um, the Philly Islanders one's weird because the Islanders can't exert their style, but they're not running away with it like they did the other two series. So, And Philly has up one nothing at this point. It's early, but... It, it seems like I think Philly's going to be able to grind through it and and win the series, but the Islanders have definitely had their best game. Oh, geez, They're Tampa put brought... up a, put up the Brazil on Boston. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, they killed them today. Just... Yeah, yeah. No, that game was ridiculous. <laughs> That's why I'm saying there's, I mean, watching what they did to Boston today, I just don't think anyone's close to. See, I, I really want to see that seven game series between the Lightning and the Flyers. I think that could be a great one. It says three to one to me, but I talking? didn't watch it. The, oh, that's yeah. the series score. No, the Brazil was on Wednesday. Today wasn't the Brazil. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, right. I thought they played today. They did. No, the, they Brazil them on Wednesday, and this was, you know, this was Boston's chance to come back. Oh, yeah. it's, this is NHL.com being shit. <laughs> it's, I don't know why it's showing Wednesday's scores first. Give me a break. Yeah, I mean, it like Boston came out and like they they tried to be, you know, they play Boston hockey. Um, Tampa scored a couple of goals, and then shenanigans ensued, and. You know, it's like they Tampa is now capable of dealing with shenanigans. So, you know, th- that just makes them probably the most well-rounded club out there. Probably. So, and you'd like to see it in general, just a team that's been heralded for so long. Just at some point, you got to win, right? You got to do yeah. the thing. You got to win. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how we felt about Washington the year before they did it. Um, yeah. How we felt about San Jose the year they got close. But they didn't. But they they sure didn't, and now they're not close. Nope. <laughs> and then there's this series. So I mean, usually the to me the second round of the playoffs is usually a big letdown, um, because the first round is just like unfiltered chaos for two weeks, and then the second yeah. round is like, oh, there's only a couple of games, and one of them won't be very interesting. Um, but there's four really good series. Yeah. I well, think there's there's that, three yeah. really good I... series, and one with the Islanders in it. Yeah, I, th- I think the West series, um, you know, they're both playing entertaining hockey, which is, I don't know, it, it's, I'm glad that Vancouver was able to take out St. Louis and, and be able to give the Western Conference, you know, two good series. Two watchable series. Yeah. Because I'm sure St. Louis would have been perfectly good if once they all got, you know, past their coronavirus. 
which apparently 20% of the Blues had COVID-19. Way to go. What are you doing going to bars, dumbasses? Or what 20%? <laughs> yeah, they never really told us who, did they? But that's not really their business to tell us either, so that's fine. Um, So that's kind of where the league is at, and where the Avalanche are at is down 2-1 to one with a game on Sunday and game 5 on Monday, and then 6 and 7 are scheduled for Wednesday and Friday at time TBD. And hopefully we play at least one of those. Yeah. So how um how are we feeling about the result of this series? Though we we every single one of us were pretty confident in picking Colorado for for the series last week. Obviously the score of the series plays a role here, but where are we at? I'm going to say no. Sorry. I don't think they win it. I don't think they're going to have the answers. I I don't think they're just going to flame out by game five, but I think they could at least get a game six, but I think it's too much of a hole. They're not a come from behind team. I think they can. Um, and I was really confident going into this series. You know, that that's, that's why games one and two were just so distressing to watch coming out unprepared and then having shit luck. Um, that, that really throws a wrench into my plans. <laughs> Your plans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go down. I don't know. I didn't say that they're going to make it, but it this is definitely shaping a seven. If the Avs tie it at the series tomorrow, and then they can carry that formula into game five on I really think that's going to set that up. However, game five turns out to be the, the lynch. Whoever wins game five will either force a game seven or. So, from, from as much of that as I was able to hear, I mean, the, the winner of game five usually wins the series. Yeah, and that, that's generally how it goes. Um, well, I, we haven't know, seen I... overtime yet. We didn't see overtime against Arizona. We haven't seen overtime yet. It feels like we're going to have to live through an overtime. Let's not put that in the universe. I think if we do go to overtime, it's going to be game seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if the Avs can get it to that point where it's a game seven or or even if they could win it in game six, it's still possible. But then, yeah, I think they're a better team with momentum. I do feel a little bit better that they have won the last one. So that's better than, say, winning game one and then losing the next two. But I just – I don't see them have enough control. They're not able to exert their game. They're not able to hold a lead. I just would rather see them have more control and more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, okay. I, I, that's, that's totally legitimate because if they don't, then it's pretty much over. That's where Game 3 didn't make me feel an ounce better than Game 1 or 2 did about the series, because no lead is safe. Yeah, and, and they still weren't playing their game. And if no lead is safe for the Colorado Avalanche, then they are in trouble. <laughs> like, that's... Well, at, least they, at least they can outscore a, a lot of problems, like they did in Game 3. As long as they get ahead. They, they yeah. don't score from behind. Like, the, what happened in Game 3, where they scored from behind twice... 
They don't do that. But are you saying pretty much McKinnon has to do it? Like, like <laughs> if they're going to be able to keep up consistent scoring, he has to score in every game. Yeah. That that's even though he's up to that point that people are starting to consider that maybe he is the best player in the league and you expect things like that. It, it's still so much to say from a person that you, you pretty much have to get a point in every single game or we're not going to win this series. Well, he had That's no goals in game goal? three. He, he yeah, had, I was going to say, he didn't. He assisted yeah. on the third goal and he assisted on the fourth goal. Yeah. So he basically didn't factor in the victory at all. well the third goal was was he wasn't even a primary assist (sighs) might as well have not even been on the ice (laughs) give him the plus just for charity i think that if colorado win tomorrow in game four then they definitely have an end to win the series Um, yeah well for sure that if they Just go mathematically down mathematically and momentum and everything. No, what I'm what I'm saying is that we, we went into this series and you especially expecting the first couple of games to be rough, maybe not necessarily yeah. lose them both, but to be up against it pretty early. So being down to two one is not super surprising, but I do not think that they can beat Dallas three times in a row. I don't nope. think that's happening. So win game four, then I think they do win the series. Lose game four, and I think they're done. That's where I'm at. So it's a must win. Although it'd be really fun to see a team like Dallas just collapse and lose three in a row. That would be fun. I, I'm just always really down for that. Disheartening. I mean, they could lose 82 in a many row. Many years. <laughs> I don't think it's as much of a must win as game three was, but it's true. Well, you're yeah. back <laughs> in the same hole. Well, you're back in the same hole, basically, but. It's not, though, because now you're on match point. Well, you win game four, then Dallas has to solve the, the questions that the Avs have tried to solve entering game three. Right. Yeah. And that's on them to make that response. The Avs at that point know they're going into a back-to-back, and that, I think, shifts the tide from the Avs' response going into three. That's going true. Into back tide. Yeah, that's true. Back to back does factor into this. Here's what: so, if yeah, Colorado you... win Game Four, then the the end result of the series at that point is it's two to two. Colorado won the last two, and one of Dallas's wins was bullshit, and the other one was Colorado I... playing like shit. Like you've got to feel good I... about that. I think you also tend to think back to back will be split. So, not necessarily. Not in the playoffs. I, I I think if this was like traveling with homes and home ice and all that, it's a lot easier to say that because it would be in different arenas. But um, there's just I mean there's just not that much advantage to you know having being called the home team. Well, true, but I I still think just the way this series has gone, I kind of would expect to split there the big issue is dallas um didn't have their goalie just get hurt that is going to be another factor because both goalies are probably going to play both those games and and even though the back-to-back might 
not be the fatigue point. It it certainly could be beyond that. But, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, like we saw with Camper by by game uh by game five, it was just like not really Camper anymore. Yeah, because he played both three and four, or was it two and three? I don't remember. Whatever the back to back was, he played them both, and he paid the price. But Colorado doesn't have a choice. They're not bringing in their backup if they can avoid it. Yeah, no, they don't want to play Hutchinson. Ever. They're, they're going to ride or die with the <laughs> There's maybe one or two teams that ever want to play their third goalie, and it's when you're somebody like the Flyers who has Carter Hart waiting in the wings, something like that. Otherwise, yeah. you don't want that. So, reasonably pessimistic outlook um, on the week, and I think it's pretty justified. Obviously, I'm right with with it i really do think it all rides on game four though um so yeah we'll we'll see what happens there the next episode of burgundy radio will be after this series um we will if, if there's not any other random you know things we can't foresee between now and then then we'll be back at you next weekend um with a normally timed show if Colorado go to round three, we will record before round three, but that's really all I can promise for a schedule. Sound good to everybody? Yes. Sounds great. I'm stoked. All right. So without any further ado, I will let you get on back out of here. Um, it's probably, uh, you know, probably not a whole lot of time before the puck drops as you're listening to this show. So we will see you Oh, if, well, if we see you in the Discord, please reattach your head to your shoulders. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm serious. It's apocalyptic in there. <laughs> oh, Regards, this, management. This That's one play reason. wasn't effective. The whole series is over. Give me a break. It, it's just hard to take. I mean, I, especially after the hype train started rolling, it just... It is a wild swing of emotions. It's not like we came into this series like, oh, it's going to be pretty tough. I don't know. I mean, people, I mean, no one thought it was going to be easy, but no one thought they yeah, we were going to lose it. <laughs> I thought that Dallas's entire offensive resurgence was because you can't trust Calgary. I didn't yeah. think it was because they were actually playing better. I thought we were going to smoke these chumps. So, I don't know. We but, still can. I think the reverse sweep is definitely a thing. Well, uh, <laughs> I think they can win, but I just uh, I'm still predicting no. Which I'm not predicting no just to be right when they don't do it, but <laughs> Way to go, Dater. <laughs> no, I'm not trying to jinx them. I don't believe in that power. I'm going to end the show before we piss off anybody else. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> it it's still 0 0. The series is not over. What's wrong with you? All right. I'm. I don't, I don't know. I, lead. I have no idea what that was supposed to say because it all came through at once. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just hard to take. I mean, I, especially after the hype train started rolling.